Well, Oregon's defense needs to get better in 2023. Part of that needs to be better play from their linebackers, who've got some questions right now. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, wherever you are listening to or watching the show right now, I appreciate all of you. Please like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. So let's talk about some linebackers. Because last year, Oregon's linebacker play was pretty underwhelming, which is not great when you only have typically two of them on the field at any given time. You don't have another guy out there who can pick up the slack. When you're running a 4-2-5, I I hope this isn't groundbreaking for everybody. Your base personnel has got two linebackers. And Oregon's linebackers last year just weren't great. They 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 just were not. Now Noah Sewell still graded well, but I think we can all agree Noah Sewell did not have his best year in 2022. I think he was battling an injury a little bit, and it, you know he didn't run as well as I, I, I thought he might have at the combine. At least compared, like he was a more impactful player earlier in his career. He was still a good player last year. Let's let's make that very clear. But he is now gone. Justin Jacobs is in, and then you have a bunch of question marks. At, at the linebacker position. And we're just talking inside linebackers here. So guys who could be part of the two in that 4-2-5. Because outside linebackers are not guys who are going to slide back to the second level. They're going to play on the end line. Those are your Mace Funas, your Tatum Tuiotis, your... Uh, I mean, just like go down the let Jaden Moore is a, a new player. Like those guys are officially outside linebackers. Anthony Jones from last year's class as well. So the inside backers going in to spring football here in 2023, you've got Jeffrey Bossa, who switched his number to two, by the way. It's a weird number for a linebacker. I agree. I like Noah Sewell's one. I really like that. Like that, that, that fit with him very well. But Bossa's wearing number two. You've got Justin Jacobs, who's going to wear number four. Keith Brown. Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart, Connor Sully, who's rocking number 42, and Elijah Williams. Now, Williams is not a guy we've probably ever talked about here on the show, so I'm not expecting him to be a player in that group. But you may notice it's not a lot of bodies. I think that's by design because they're only playing two inside linebackers. But a question came in on this note that kind of might answer the thought that I just had there and semi-question that I posed. This was from Eric Lammerman. As always, Duck fans, YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs, mentions, get your question answered here on the show. Eric Lammerman asks, you mentioned that Jamal Hill might be moved to linebacker and supposedly he's already bulked up some. A couple of questions. One, how does Hill's tackling ability compare to Bossa? Tackling appears to be Bossa's kryptonite, and I imagine the coaching staff either wants to see him improve dramatically on that front or replace him in the two deep with someone that can provide both effective coverage as well as run-stopping ability. I've seen both guys tackle in space well at times. That is the operative phrase here, at times 
times. I'm sure some of you were typing already in the comments. No, Jeffrey. Do oh, at times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're, 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 we're cool. By the way, if that happened to you, no shame. Let me know. I'm curious, but I think that Hill moving to linebacker makes a lot of sense because he's built like a, like a really, really big, strong safety. And he and Bossa are actually very similar because Jeffrey Bossa was a safety and he moved to linebacker. But Jeffrey, I thought he might move back to safety. Doesn't look like he's going to, but he's the undersized linebacker there of the two who was not great against the pass last year, but was really, really bad, according to PFF, against the run. And I think the eye test showed that as well. And now, now by the way, I'm not a guy who's giving up on Jeffrey Bossa. He's someone who needs to improve in a number of ways. Getting a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger might be one of those ways because I think he still had a little bit of a safeties build last year and offensive linemen and tight ends blocking were pushing him around a bit. But he does a couple of things very, very well. Now, I think Jamal Hill, uh, you know, he, he at least looks a little bit bigger. They're more similar in size than you'd think. But Jamal Hill, I think if he is bulking up, can be a guy who's more stout against the run than Jeffrey Basso was. Now, in terms of straight line speed, you know, I don't think you can look at their high school times because they've they're completely different athletes now than when they were several years ago for Jamal Hill. That was longer ago than Basso, but both of those guys have enough speed, but not elite speed, and that's a reason that I really like Hill coming down into the box and potentially playing linebacker because even when you're playing strong safety there are times where you have to cover a deep end of the field whether that you know strong safety and cover three is not typically going to drop and and take one of those deep thirds that's going to be your free safety uh and and your two corners but if you're running cover two if you're running cover four he's got deep field responsibilities and I think Jamal Hill lacks that sort of speed. But he, he's a veteran guy. He's decent in coverage. Not great, but he's decent. And tackling-wise, I've, I've seen Jamal Hill make some really, really high-level tackles. And I, I think he's maxed out his production at safety. And moving him down to linebacker could, could make a lot of sense. Now, the area that I'm curious uh, with, with regards to Bossa here is... Is he going to be able to hold on to that starting role? Because last year, the two starting linebackers consistently for Oregon were Noah Sewell and Jeffrey Bassa. And then you had Keith Brown rotate in a little bit. You had Justin Flo rotate in. There weren't that many other names. I am I feel like I'm forgetting one. If I am, let me know. I, pro I probably am. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, so... With Bossa, though, he does provide one thing of value that he did really well last year, and that's quarterback spy responsibility. He is, he's actually a pretty good blitzer, too. Like, he had a sack in the uh, Alamo Bowl. It was gnarly. I mean, he exploded through the line, swim moved through a blocker. They half missed an assignment, but he was on the quarterback in a hurry and brought down a mobile guy in Drake May. So, I think you look at that game, you look at what he did against, uh, you know, Stanford, he did some good things, if I remember correctly. Arizona was the game where he had this beautifully orchestrated quarterback spy of Jaden Delore, who's a mobile quarterback, by the way. Now, 
Boston did not have a great game against Washington State, but here's here's what I wonder. If Bossa gets better tackling in space, I think his potential is immense as long as you're not asking him to do you know things he's not he's not quite as good at. But from what I saw from him last year, he was pretty good in man coverage, but his zone coverage and awareness he he had some straight lapses last year where he would drop and he was in no man's land. He wasn't guarding anybody. He wasn't covering up a void to take away a second-level throw from the quarterback's read. He had way too many plays like that. But I, I, I really wonder if that didn't have anything to do with him learning a new defensive system. I would love for that to be the case because I, I do still believe in his potential. But he's got to be better tackling in space. He's got to be better in zone coverage. And I think Jamal Hill is a better zone coverage player right now than, than Jeffrey Bossa, but I think Bossa's got him on the agility front, and Jamal Hill's got him on the size front. So I, I think it's another guy to throw into the mix that that, that could make things really interesting for uh, the Ducks. I'll get to my prediction on what the depth chart will be as things stand in spring football, but my, my prediction about whether or not I'm going to tell you to go get built bars is a pretty easy one to predict because the answer is yes, I am going to do that. And you got to check out the built March madness bracket. It's here. We all know you've got a favorite bar or puff. Mine's the mint brownie. I voted for it to go all the way, just like future Pac-12 member San Diego state. Wink. Uh, getting to that later this week. Fun question to dive into there. Love that sort of talk. But when you go to builtmarchmadness.com, you vote for your favorite bar. You do so, you get entered to be one of 50 lucky Locked On listeners to get a free box of Built. And one of you could get a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. Run. Don't walk. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Was not my worst transition to a live read. I don't think it was my best either. I think I telegraphed just a little. And I got to keep you on your toes with that sort of stuff. Um, anyway, I want to make sure I answered all of Eric's questions, though. Tackling appears to be boss's kryptonite at times. Yes. Um, I, and I think he does need to improve dramatically. But if he does, I think his potential is really, really good. I, it, it's, it's, the potential is there. Because he's got that sort of speed that you need to be able to make plays sideline to sideline. But he needs to bulk up a little or learn how to play between the tackles better. But I think that's where Jamal Hill could come into play. So I, I think it's I think it's interesting. But I think just the sheer bot number of bodies and the amount of experience you've got from guys at that position, when you think about the fact that, you know, an injury or two is is likely or that you just, you know, rotate guys pretty consistently, I have to imagine that the Jamal Hill going down a linebacker, especially given the number of safeties we've got, I, I completely buy that that rumor at this point in time. And frankly, I think it makes a lot of sense. So my prediction for the linebackers going into next year as of now, Justin Jacobs, I don't think you bring in a guy of that caliber without starting him. I, I think that guy is going to be a starting linebacker. I do think right now Bossa has got the inside track on being the number two inside linebacker. Now, this could change. I think this could change over the course of spring football. I think linebackers and DBs, you could see a lot of shuffling, a lot of movement, 
I think they're starting spots up for grabs. I don't think Jacobs really is, but that second one, it's right there. Now, second string, the two linebackers behind those two, I think Keith Brown's going to be in the mix. I think he'll back up Jacobs. And I think Jamal Hill, if he is coming down, I think they'd be making that move for the reason. Like, they, they wouldn't do it. Maybe they'd say, yeah, we don't really see you as a safety. We see you as a linebacker. But they've got to see some potential there, right? They're not doing it just to get him out of the safety room to eliminate competition or anything like that. They're doing it because they think they can create value. And I, I, I think Jamal Hill's got a good shot. I mean, he's really experienced. He's a big guy. He's a really, really big guy. And the guys that I'm curious to watch in addition to Jamal Hill as, as spring football rolls along, Devin Jackson, highly touted recruit in the class of 2022, redshirted last year, as did Harrison Taggart, who was also a four-star coming out of high school. But Jackson has got elite speed. And one thing that Dan Lanning has talked about and that the defense was lacking last year was elite speed. I, I, I am high on guys like that because I think Oregon has had a tendency to recruit slower but more physical players over the last several years. I think it's hurt them at times. I would like to see guys who've got a little bit more agility to their game. Devin Jackson could be that guy. So curious to see if, if one of them sees significant playing time. But prediction for the linebackers, I think Jacobs and Bossa start. I think Brown and Hill back them up. And I think you could see other guys ro- rotate in. Connor Sully, another transfer. I, I don't. Th- I think he's more of a depth piece that, that they brought in. But I think he's somebody who can play box safety as well, right? The Javon Holland role, kind of like hybrid safety linebacker, box safety, you know, the Jamal Adams role, basically, which is basic, which is like a smaller, more nimble outside linebacker. I, I think that's where he could rotate in. Um, I, I don't know a ton about him. Uh, admittedly, did, he played some at Arizona State. wasn't amazing. wasn't anything, you know, uh, otherworldly. But generally, generally, when you bring in a transfer, it's because he's going to play. But then there's also Caleb Chapman, who caught one pass last year and is against, against Eastern Washington. So uh, you, you never know. That could be the defensive version of of that. I, I don't really have a big inclination on him at this point in time. I think we'll wait and see what happens uh, in spring football. Sean Morris, my guy gets this question. He he kind of left the line a little bit in the mailbag. There's still questions in there. Don't worry. I've got them all down. We're going to get to all of them this week. But um, he was very punctual. Very, very punctual. And I appreciate punctuality. I am a creature of habit. I enjoy routine. And I said, hey, shoot me a message, you know, to ask this because he asked a question on uh, the Twitter mentions, and I was in Vegas with friends, and I was like, shoot me a message later. 9 o'clock on Sunday, boom, 9 a.m. Got the message in there. I'm like, you know what? Just for that, front of the line. But I appreciate all your questions forever and always. He says, hey, Spence, you asked me to shoot you a message today about the type of tight end the Ducks seem to be bringing in. They seem more like large wide receivers than traditional tight end types. Do you think they're moving away from two tight end sets and using tight ends in run slash pass blocking schemes? I don't think so, no. I mean, last year we ran a lot of two tight end sets. Last year we also had several sets of 11 personnel where T for like that sprint out play, I love that play. It's essentially... 
a modern type of naked bootleg. You have the offensive lineman block one way. You leave the guy in the end unblocked. He rushes inside, and then the tight end seals him. Bo Nix rolls around and out, and he's got all the space and time in the world to let long-developing routes down the field come open. I freaking love it. So I don't think they're going to get away from that. I certainly hope they don't. It's a concept that basically everybody runs in college football nowadays. Heck, I see it all over the place at the FCS level doing play-by-play. Like that That's just one of those things that everybody does in, in some form or fashion. So I don't think they're getting away from that. But, you know, not recruiting the, the heavy blockers necessarily is kind of the modern tight end. So Terrence Ferguson, by the way, played a good amount of wide receiver in high school. He's turned into a good blocker. He's turned into a great tight end. It's just the way football is going because athletes are better. They're more refined. They're more defined, you know, muscle-wise. You just have, like, Kyle Pitts is the tight end everybody is chasing. So Montevau is a little bit of a throwback. Cam McCormick is a throwback. And I think those guys moved on to find more playing time elsewhere. And, you know, McCormick went down to Miami with Mario and... Montevau's down at UCLA where he could be a top tight end option. But Ferguson's a little bit more, he's a little bit closer to that wide receiver hybrid model. Kenyon Sadiq is like all hybrid, right? Like he's bigger than your average wide receiver, a little smaller than a traditional tight end, but that's the way they're going. And these guys are able to be a little bit smaller, right? They, they need to resemble wide receivers more than offensive linemen because they're able to get in the weight room so much that they don't have to be 250 pounds to be able to block a defensive end. They don't have to be 270 pounds to be able to pick up a blitzing linebacker. Like th- These guys are just freak athletes now. And it's, it's, it's awesome to see, frankly. And I'm curious to see. I mean, Sadiq is going to have to play this year. He will have to play there's no I, I cannot foresee a scenario where Kenyon Sadiq is not playing meaningful snaps at some point because if he doesn't that means you're almost never running two tight end sets so Herbert and T. Fur can just go back and forth and never fatigue or neither one of them gets hurt and has to miss snaps in a game or uh, or, or, or a game altogether the entire season that's just that, that would be a medical anomaly from, from that standpoint. But I think the, you know, moving away from two tight end sets, they might have to do that by necessity if they're not able to get a guy in the portal or get Deuce Robinson, who's a 2023 five-star tight end still hanging out there. But I think they're bringing in those sorts of hybrid players because that's what the modern tight ends are. That's how they're built. That's what football as a whole is asking for. And I think Oregon is just fine to be in that space of bringing in players who can split out wide. It brings another dimension to your offense, and you don't have to completely sacrifice the blocking component either. Great question, Sean. Oregon basketball had... <laughs> oh, man. They had some... They, Oregon basketball was in the news more than normal over the weekend. If you didn't hear what happened, 
You can bet it was interesting, which is not something you can bet at FanDuel, but you can get everything else you need. Tournament's heating up. Final Four is this weekend, and there's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. FanDuel's giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today. Claim your no-sweat first bet. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. That one was better. I think I think that was I think that was better than the first one today. Just doing a little live grading of my uh, live read introductions there. Okay, I need to be stopped sometimes. Uh, so Oregon basketball, disappointing season, twenty one and fifteen, missed the tournament for the second straight year, and Dana Altman was speaking after the heart disheartening loss to Wisconsin in which they had an eight point lead with like four minutes to go or something like that gave it away at home not great they were doing so at Matthew Knight Arena in front of about 3,300 fans Dana Altman said to the press so this is not leaked audio this was just him talking right after the season ended quote I'm disappointed up and that they're making noise and he appreciates their support but you got a big 10 team in there nit or not would have liked to have seen more i tend to agree now is it different when you're playing wisconsin in the nit versus a preseason non-conference game yes but has oregon basketball been as consistently attended from a percentage standpoint as it should be or compared to football nope i would not say so I see the crowds on TV. They're not abysmal, but they're not great. You know, sometimes, you know, pictures get tweeted out of like, oh, Matthew Knight Arena doesn't have much of a crowd 10 minutes before the game. And then I turn it on on TV and I'm like, okay, there's a couple more thousand people than that picture indicated. So people show up late. Happens all the time. But the capacity for Matthew Knight is just over 12,000. And they had 3,300 people. So it's just over 25% full with Wisconsin coming to town for a team that had started to win a couple games. And there's an interesting dichotomy here of do people show up and it helps you win games or do you win games and then people show up, chicken to the egg, all that sort of stuff. But here's, here's one thing that needs to be said about Dana Altman. The guy does not have a lack of passion. Like... I'm frustrated with how, with how the season went. Players are. You are. Your friend is. Your dad is. Your mom is. Your sister is. So is Dana. So is Dana. And he was blowing off steam in that postgame presser in ways that not only we rarely see from him, but you rarely see from coaches. I mean, a coach calling out fans, a coach calling out the, the support that his team gets, and by the way, he's got a point. There have been some good crowds at Matthew Knight this year, but have they been there consistently? No. It's not even close from a noise and environment standpoint to what Autzen provides for the football team. You're not going to get the same numbers. But should it be higher given the success? I mean, when Sabrina was in there even, they're packing that place just about every night. 
they were getting bigger crowds for Sabrina than they did on the men's side. And, and, you know, attendance for college basketball games can be a really fickle thing. It shouldn't be, but it often is. And, you know, Dana making these points was, was certainly him blowing off steam, frustrated the season ended, and he was, you know, venting about the things that, that frustrated him this year. And there were a lot of frustrating things, some of which were out, out of his control. They were missing Kuznard for the early portion of the year. Okay, that was an even bigger loss than we realized at the time, right? They still shouldn't have lost to Utah Valley and UC Irvine. But you look at some of the games they did lose when Kuznard wasn't playing. I don't think he was available for that Houston game when they played well. And Houston ended up being really, really good, of course. Number one seed, Sweet 16. Kuznard wasn't there. And you look at the games where Kuznard wasn't there. Utah Valley and UC Irvine, for instance. Maybe Oregon doesn't get upset in those games, which might lead them to being in the NCAA tournament. But then you look at how they played at the end of the year. There were still too many inconsistencies. But that was a big loss. Brandon Rigsby wasn't there. They happened to play a walk-on. Like Luke War played more than he should have because Dante missed some time. And then Biddle missed some time. And then once everybody kind of was healthy, well, they weren't. They weren't as ready-made to just start playing well because they didn't have that many games together, and that stuff matters. And Bartholomew was out, right? Like, it was, and it's not funny, but it's laughable, as Mike Tomlin says, how injured Oregon was throughout the course of the season, and that's got to be infuriating for a coach. He's got to constantly change the lineups. He's got to deal with, you know, getting those guys healthy and working them back. And, and, you know, coaching a game, coming up just short, and then always thinking it back in your mind, man, we we could use, we really could have used Keyshawn tonight. Happened to have an injury. Bad luck. So I, I think all that sort of stuff with the frustrating losses they did have, even when they were healthy, they shouldn't have had. I think that boiled over, and he kind of took it out on fans, but he, he hit on something that is very accurate. And I want to close with this, and I'm a huge fan of this, by the way. After those comments from Dana Altman, a job opening was posted at the University of Oregon for basically somebody who's an in-game promotions or entertainment coordinator. Yeah, that's the athletic director. This is what competent, good management looks like from an athletic department. Your coach says, we're frustrated that we didn't play as well as we could have this year. But we were also frustrated that we didn't have the sort of support that we could. We didn't have the sorts of crowds that used to show up. And that hurts too. Because it it's a big advantage. It's a huge advantage. And you take that away. And Rob Mullins looks at the complaint of his head coach. Believes in him. Trusts him. He's right. And so he says, okay. Let's go create a position that can try to make this better. How successful will it be? We'll see. But that's what I want from my athletic director. So shout out to you, Rob Mullins, for listening to your head coach of, I think, 13 years now, somewhere in that range, the winningest coach in program history, and saying he is pointing out very clearly, very directly, that this is not where it should be. It's not where I'd like it to be. It's not where we would like it to be as a team. And Rob Mullen's saying, you know, I think he's got a point. Let's try and do something about it. I hope it gets better. I, you're never going to hear me punt on basketball. Never going to do it. 
I loved March Madness this year. I was bummed Oregon wasn't a part of it. Hope that's not the case again next year. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.